0: All right, welcome, welcome, welcome to episode 31 of the Unweaving Chronic Pain Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Andrea Moore, chronic pain specialist. And today we have a very special episode. And oh, I should always add my disclaimer of none of this is to be used for medical advice. Please seek out personal attention. And I am super excited today because I'm going to be talking to Dr. Abigail Hirsch. And she is a, she has her PhD and she's a clinical psychologist who specializes in creating digital products that transforms lives, transform lives. She's the co-founder of chronic pain management platform called Lynn Health. And I'll be, of course, sending it over into the show notes or directing to it in the show notes. She also built the first ever digital relationship support program, Power of Two, As chief clinical officer at MyStrength, she helped lead the creation of a digital behavioral health program that was acquired by Teladoc. Abigail has four boys, owns every type of ball from base to moth, and loves to take her bright orange beach bike tooling around the fields behind her house. And I am so excited to have her on today and have this conversation where we are probably gonna like nerd out and there's nothing that makes me happier than that. So Abigail, welcome.
1: So good to be here. Thank you so much for having me on the podcast. Really, really excited for our conversation today.
0: Yes, me too. And I love that you have four boys. I only have one boy, and that's enough. So
1: (laughs) that's amazing. It's just just more balls and more (laughs) bikes. Yes.
0: Yes. We already have enough with one five year old. So, all right. Awesome. Well, I was really excited because I heard you speak. I've heard of Lynn Health before, and I think you guys are just doing amazing work over there. And I just, I to, the more I find other practitioners who are just providing this amazing support for chronic pain, the more excited I I get, because I feel like we are starting to kind of like fringe in and, and really become more of the mainstream and more of the sought out treatment or so I hope. So thank you for all the work you're doing.
1: And absolutely. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. I wanted to start out. Well, do, why don't you go ahead and first start start out by telling me a little bit about what made you. Launch Lynn Health and
1: go ahead and tell us a little bit about your company. Yeah, yeah, yeah Andrea, it's a great, great place for us to be beginning. I, I love the place you were starting from of making what used to be fringe into the mainstream. That truly is the vision behind Lynn Health and why we founded it. Um, so I was incredibly fortunate um, to actually be a longtime friend of Dr. Yonia Shar, who was um, the, the principal running the Boulder Back Study, which was really one of the first rock solid randomized control trials to show that these treatment approaches that are addressing the neural circuits and the learned component, the amplification component of pain, are just off the charts incredibly effective. Um, So we were talking with him just as his data was coming in about um, a uh, year and a half ago at this point. Um, and he said, you know, i I'm seeing this data that's just unbelievably exciting, but what are we going to do about this? How are we ever going to get the world to see it? And I said, well, that's what I know how to do. What I know and love doing is taking something where the science has come in and the um, practice of medicine hasn't built out the system to provide it to everybody who needs it yet. Um, and so Lin Health was born to do that, to take what is absolutely clear is, is the needed and the right frontline approach for almost all persistent pain and get it out there in a way that people don't have to wait on five-month waiting list to get into a, you know, integrated pain clinic, but can hop on a website and the next day be up and, and running with a really, really solid um, team.
0: Oh, that's so amazing. I love that you do that. And I love that you have like the tech background and skills to do that. That's so cool. <laughs> I'm curious, cause obviously you're a clinical psychologist. So what made you, was it, what made you interested in chronic pain in the first place?
1: Yeah, yeah. So I, my first exposure to the world of pain was actually at my previous company called My Strength.
0: Um, and
1: that was a digital behavioral health company. But we were hearing when we were growing that company from a bunch of the providers and the healthcare payers and employers that we worked with that they were really concerned um, about the amount of toll that pain was taking on their workers, members, patients' lives. Um, And they couldn't figure out what to do about it. And so at that point, they were asking us as a behavioral health company, can you just help people cope a little bit better? Can we put together some materials that are about coping with chronic pain? Um, So we did, and we made a really nice um, kind of brief program. But as we were doing that, so this is, (coughs) gosh, about four years ago at this point, um, we were hearing some really interesting kind of side murmurings about this thing called centralized sensitization, and maybe that was gonna be important. Um, and lots and lots of understanding about how what did seem to be working for people in terms of at that point coping, as opposed to um, getting out of pain, and hopefully we'll talk about that more in a minute, um, was like this, one of our, the people we worked with said, it's so lovely. He said, look, my route through pain has been finding my special spaghetti sauce recipe. Um, and I thought that was such a lovely mm-hmm. description of how, you know, you get through challenges in life. Um, so uh, fast forward, um, we, we sold that company um, to a company called Livongo. It's now kind of the core Teladocs platform, but it just was always in the back of my head. But gosh, this is a space that would be really interesting to look at more carefully. Um, and so as I was, doing some thinking about the next venture I was going to do after that sale, I kind of got in touch with him because I just was niggling at the back of my brain. What, is there something interesting here? Had a series of wonderful discussions with him. Um, and out of that, Lynn Health was born.
0: Mm, I love that. I love that so much. And yes, yes, to central, central sensitization being so important. And, Let's I'm, I'm very curious. One of the things that made me also really for a number of reasons want to chat with you is the new um, kind of diagnostic codes of primary chronic pain, because I am like so not in the clinic anymore. I don't use codes anymore. And I'm like, I don't even know the official definition. So and I think it's going to be I think it's a really helpful for people to know who still are seeing you know their primary cares for their to help inform their primary cares or see if their primary cares are
1: even aware of these codes because I know yes yeah so go ahead and so it's so <laughs> So important. So there truly is a sea change that happened with ICD 11, which is mm-hmm. the newest revision of the coding book that every single medical professional uses to say this is what you have. They go and find something in that in that whole it's not even a book anymore. It's like a <laughs> huge website that you search through, and they find like oh this seems to be the right um, description of what is happening for you. So before literally this January, this coast just went live January 2020. Um, if you had somebody with persistent pain and somebody like most people as pain has persisted for a while, where it's not just one thing, but it's two or three you know, different places, you would have to code them as, well, they have a migraine and they also have some irritable bowel. And if there was a whole bunch of pain, maybe we called it fibromyalgia, um, but there was never a top level that said chronic pain is the core disease. And all of these are different symptoms of the same core disease. Um, and so it was really, really frustrating because patients would get sent to, to, and still do frankly, cause the codes are new and doctors are on a learning curve also, but people get sent, you know, to this doctor and this doctor and this doctor for every single different body in their system. Um, and one I like to talk about it as like addressing the whole elephant. I, I don't know if you know the story about like three blind men and when they're, they're touching this thing and one says, Oh, it's big and thick and. know kind of wrinkly and the other says no 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 it's smooth like a rope and the last Mm. one says no 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 no, it's like a you know like a long piece of paper and of course it's three blind men touching the legs and the um uh, underbelly and the and the um tail of an elephant but they couldn't see the whole picture so that was definitely how we were addressing pain before and now finally We have a code, it's called chronic primary pain, MG30.0, if you wanna be like really uh, technical about it and know where where to go looking, Um, that says, no, this is the elephant that we have. Pain is a disease, it's not just a symptom. By the time it gets chronic, it needs to be treated for what it is. Um, And incredibly, incredibly exciting. Uh, when mm. you were talking about these ideas having been fringe for so long, they aren't fringe anymore. Like this is the mainstream understanding of what persistent pain is. Um, and from that flows real clarity about how we need to treat it.
0: Yes, that's so, I'm like so excited for that. that being a code just from being in the, I mean, I, came out of the clinic about a year, year and a half ago now, but it was like, literally like, I'm like shoulder pain, neck pain, back pain. And like, I was just a physical therapist. Right. So I'm not even coding for anything else, but I'm like, and I have 11 different codes now because I just really want to do it. And it was so ridiculous. And I'm like, how is this not anyways? So that's just great. But I want to talk about something then, because What I am worried about this leading to, so I'm curious what to to bring this up is I feel like once there's a code for something like with what happened with like fibromyalgia, right? It's like, oh, well, you have fibromyalgia and stop. (laughs) You know what I mean? And and, And what I see is this like simplification of something that is so complex of like, oh, well, you have chronic primary pain. Okay. Now you got to learn to live with that. Sorry. So we can't,
1: yeah. We're sorry. Yeah, we can't do anything about it. We, we don't, don't treat it. So let's, you just need to
0: learn how to cope so, with it. So let's, yeah. Talk about the difference between, let's so talk this about the difference the, between Coping and actually treating this because this is so treatable. It's not something you just have to correct. cope and live with. Sorry, I could like correct. get on a like high yeah. horse about yeah. this. So yes, you and I can
1: <laughs> both jump up and down for a while. If everybody can't see us on the audio, we are both jumping up and down. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so you're you're absolutely correct. The other sea change that has happened is a series of publication, and Dr. Unni Shar's one that came out of JAMA this year is. Um, one of several that are all showing the same thing, which is that chronic primary pain is a great news diagnosis um, because it turns out that your pain is treatable, and it turns out that that um, we know how to treat it now. Um, so let's kind of backstep a minute. Uh, what we've been doing in the past for chronic primary pain, because we were looking at it in all of their different parts of the body, and you know, not clear what the core origin was, is we were like throwing random stuff at it. And it would kind of be like, you know, treating like a sore throat by being like, well, I don't know, you could try a hot pad, and you could try um, running a little bit and you could try, um, you know, I don't know, sipping tea. But of course, you know, those are not probably getting at the core of what, what is going on there. Um, so the same is what the reason so much of what we've been doing for pain doesn't work very well is it's not treating the core disease itself. So then that begs the question, what is the core disease in, in mm-hmm. chronic primary pain? Um, and the core disease is um, that we just have a brain processor that's gotten turned up and, some, and uh, like the volume has been turned up and the ease with which it turns up and gets stuck on um, has gotten turned up. So it turns out that our brains all the time, every day in and out are learning all kinds of things. Um, they teach us when we're younger how to walk, they taught us how to ride a bike, they teach us that the um, light turns quickly at second avenue and not at fifth avenue Um, and so I should start driving my car a different route, like we just day in and day out are learning all kinds of little things and what our brains are incredible about is unlike a computer that just responds to you know what you're putting in, our brains are actively Predictively, trying to help us make decisions that are gonna help make our lives better. So in the case of pain, our, pain, our brains are preactively making decisions about how to keep us safe. Um, but what happens in the case of primary pain is we accidentally learned that some things could be dangerous um, that are actually not dangerous. We, we've learned that pain helps keep us from, for example doing whatever it was that um, led to a sprained ankle um, and then we associate it and then the brain starts to say, well, I'm gonna keep you safe, I'm gonna keep you safe and kind of predictively saying, don't go in any situation that resembles that. Um, and you get kind of stuck in this fear, pain, fear cycle, which is very much a learned, a neural circuit, a processor disorder. It does, I do wanna just always pause, Andrea, and just make triple sure for anybody that's listening to this that they understand that this is not saying that your pain isn't real. Your pain is completely real. Um, the same way, um, what everything you smell is real, and everything you taste is real, everything you see is real, and we thank goodness they understand that depression is real, and anxiety is real, and PTSD is real. Um, pain is very, very much real. It's just that we, that pain we had a mistake about what pain is. Pain is not just something that happens because of tissue damage. Pain is a defensive mechanism that, like all of these things, is. Originated in this amazing supercomputer we have in our brains.
0: Yes, and yes. Thank you for emphasizing that the pain is real. I always tell people because all pain ultimately is processed through our brains. So if anybody, some doctor tries to tell you that it's not real, I always tell people you can kick him in the nuts and be like, "That's in your brain too. <laughs> is that <he not> real?" Because <laughs> ultimately, all pain is you. processed through the brain. So, sorry, uh, no, I'm not politically uh, yeah, correct. I- no. <laughs> <laughs> But yes, yes, it is real. And I love what you said about just this association that happens. And, and I'm curious if I wanna dive in because I think the other place where I see people take this to mean that ends up not benefiting them is that they just need to change their thoughts or that they're like, but I don't, I'm not scared of doing that. I'm not, I want to go on a run. And every time I go on a run, my pain flares up. I'm not scared of it. Right. So can you speak to that a little bit more of like, why yeah. it's not just at the cognitive
1: level? Yeah. Yeah. And I love that you're asking this also, cause it's, it's a significant chunk of our members are actually people who um, were incredibly, either incredibly lucky and they had a position that was on the cutting edge. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, maybe we'll talk more some about how we're going to change the world of physicians so that they do know all of this information now that it's out there in standard. Um, but they had a physician that was cutting edge or they were really good Dr. Googler and they came across some information like this and it resonated. Maybe they read Alan Gordon's book or some of Howard Schubiner's work or Laura Mosley. Again, any of these um, kind of gurus in our, in our world. Um, but t- somehow they got some knowledge and they're like, oh, okay, this is what's happening. But I can't get... Better from this, like I'm, I'm thinking and thinking and thinking, and things aren't getting better. Um, so, the, um, the the part of our brain that does this learning is not our cognitive, rational side. Um, it's the deeper parts of our brain. You can call it like more of the limbic or the autonomic nervous system. Um, it's a part of our brain that learns by doing, not by thinking. Um, and so, what we uh, need to do is find a way to teach, unteach, or teach mm-hmm. something new to that deeper associative part of the brain, um, and what we found at Lynn is that there's a, there's, it's not just found at Lynn, again, this is true in all of the studies that are coming out in the research, but we just see it day in and day out at Lynn and, and have a really nice system for documenting it happening, is that there is a cognitive piece, like it is important to understand what pain is, it is mm-hmm. important to understand why are we learning some of these techniques, um, but then you, it really, really, really helps to have a person with you on the journey that helps you structure the doing that gets you out of pain. So the doing of experiencing a different relationship with pain, the doing of helping to pull up out of that kind of subconscious a little bit more how you're reacting to pain, um, the doing of putting... Um, Putting yourself into um, situations in a kind of graded way that have become triggers for you, you know, associated with pain is basically what a trigger is. Whether it's light and migraines, or whether it's um, the one member who she's like, it's like clockwork. I get seventeen minutes into my run, and then my ankle starts to hurt. And you're <laughs> like, oh, "What's magic about seventeen minutes?" Yeah. And she's like, Well, that's just how much strength I have. But of course it wasn't, it had nothing to do with her strength. There's no difference between 10 minutes and 17 minutes and 20 minutes, but her subconscious brain had learned that. So so having this, this real person on the other side that can help tease out for you specifically, what's the right pathway to get your brain at that deeper level to do this retraining and relearning turns out to be just mission critical in Um, going from the difference from kind of cognitively understanding what's happening to really making things different.
0: Yes. I love that. And I love that you talked about the importance of the cognitive understanding first. I find, especially for the, a lot of most, uh, pretty much all the women I work with are these very analytical perfectionist, high achievers, type A people. (laughs) And they, they're not going to do something that they like, I'm a little on the, I don't know how woo you are. I'm a little on the woo side too. So it's like, they're not going to do something that seems like if they don't have a a logical reason for it. Right. So like, I loved getting super nerdy about the neuroscience because I feel like it's so helpful for people to understand why then they need to take the next step. And I also love how you added in the doing that you were including like the doing as in shifting your relationship with pain, as in, you know, like, sitting with things too. Doing isn't necessarily like a physical action you need to take. It's, it can be how you're just structuring your own body and how you're responding to it. So yes,
1: yeah, that's, that's just really cool. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, you know, sometimes it takes that external voice also to understand that something actually is a pain experience. I'll give a great example for me. I, um, I had, gosh, 17 years of really, Um, you know not life stopping but very uncomfortable post c-section itching Mm -hmm. um, all all along my scar so I love talking about this story especially where there's an audience this particularly women and I just assumed that like every scar itches Um, and I never even though I was starting a pain company um, it took until I had a conversation with one of our coaches and just said something about like oh my you know thing is itching so much now she and she was able to say back you know that's a primary pain experience, scars don't itch, and I was like, no, no, (laughs) (laughs) Um, well, sure enough, I have absolutely no more itching today, Um, but I never, ever would have thought about that little side thing as also having been part of this world without the, just reflection from somebody else who could put the pieces together for me. Mm,
0: I love that. And and it's funny because I have a similar story in terms of like my own chronic pain. I never knew it wasn't normal, like it wasn't everybody's experience because I had chronic pain since I was like, I my sister remembers me complaining about it since I was really young. And my parents were like, You're fine, you're fine, you know. <laughs> They're a doctor. <laughs> Actually, you were like, probably fine. Yeah, I was. <laughs> so, I mean, clearly, like it you know, it wasn't debilitating, but it was something that I experienced, and I remember my first like few months in the clinic, like you always got, you know, trained. It's like, okay, they're coming in for knee pain. What else hurts? You know, you ask about other things and everybody be like, nope, nothing else. And I'm like, well, no, like, but like, what else do you feel like, you know, sore pops up? And they're like, like nothing. And I would like press this because I'm like, how, what do you mean nothing else? You just walk around with nothing else hurting. And after having, you know, like 50 people in a row be like, nope, it's just my knee. I'm like, huh, is this not normal to feel pain in joints at all times? What? And yeah, like it was, it was, it's almost like sometimes with, it's amazing what people put up with and not to like, I never want to have it from a place of like, let's not pathologize something that doesn't need to be pathologized, but women, especially, I feel like we put up with a lot, like women are so resilient. I mean, everybody is right. But it's like, are especially resilient. And we put up with things that we don't have to often because we don't realize that we can change it.
1: also, because nobody asks, and this goes back to this diagnosis thing, right? When you have a medical system, and you're right that the data is very clear that women are in particular likely to not get asked or not get heard, if, even if they speak up. <coughs> um, but when you have a medical system that doesn't understand that there's a disease that has all these different symptoms, you don't get to ask. Um, mm-hmm. So, when we, so every member that comes into Lynn, Um, We start with a diagnostic consultation with a medical professional. We think it's incredibly, incredibly important um, first to screen and make sure because occasionally pain actually means that there's a medical red flag and we need to get that checked out. So, you know, we do a screener for red flags that would make us concerned there could be an emerging Mm -hmm. emergency we needed to listen to. Um, But we also do a screener to rule in, or discussion to rule in primary pain. And so we ask people um, about how their pain behaves and about what are all of the pain symptoms we have. And, And we hear just time after time, like nobody ever asked me do I also have this? And I, I just had one yesterday when I was um, reviewing the notes and, and, and she was like, of course I've had tinnitus for three years, but I never thought to mention that, like it's not so bad. and That couldn't have anything to do with the knee pain that I'm having and the sciatica, like those are in mm. a different place. Um, but once you know to ask about the whole story and what the disorder actually is, Then all of a sudden, like all the pieces just go click, 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 click. Like this is classic instead of this is weird.
0: Yes. And I love that you talk about that evaluation because at the end of the day, there are things that I think have because of chronic pain being so common i have like i literally my a massage therapist the other day she was showing me she's like like not that anyone could see this but it's like she could barely lift her shoulder past 90 degrees and she's like yeah it really hurts when i do that but i haven't been able to do it for eight years it doesn't bother me so she, it wasn't something that was there wasn't <laughs> fear or eight, like right like it wasn't that hadn't developed around it and i'm like she's describing her symptoms. And I'm like, dude, this sounds like radial nerve, like adverse neural dynamics. And I was like, give me 20 minutes. Literally it's been, I, I, that was on Sunday. So I mean, it's, it's Thursday now. She's like, I have like completely full range of motion and no pain that I haven't had in eight years in a 20 minutes of treatment. And she's seen massage therapists and chiropractor, whatever, all these people for it. And she just gave up. And I'm like, Oh, like it's so frustrating because I'm like, that's not, that would not be primary chronic pain, but she wouldn't pass the screening test for it either. However, I I see people writing that off, right? It's like, oh, well, you just have to learn to live with it. So correct. So they
1: don't, you're so right. You don't have to live with it. I love frozen shoulder is such a good example. It's actually, um. Uh, when when I was early in my learning curve on all of this was talking about it with my parents and my dad actually had exactly the same story. And it turns out a month later, I found out my brother also had just the same story with frozen children where he just said like, I just stopped doing a bunch of things I love doing and mm-hmm. said like, oh, well, I'm getting old, I can't have them anymore. Um, and he also within a day had 80% of his you know, range of motion back because it again, for him, it was it was very clearly a neural circuit learning thing. Yeah. Um, so I do always, when I tell these stories, I, I tell them with a little bit of hesitation because I don't want to apply that everybody with chronic pain is gonna turn around and be better in a day. It really is person to person and there's nothing wrong. In fact, that's the more normative journey that it's, it's a project and you know, you didn't yeah. get there in a day and it can take some time to reverse it out. Um, but I think what's clear is there are many, many, many symptoms that we're missing because we're not asking about them and we're not asking about them because we didn't have a safe, low cost, effective way to intervene and we do now. Um, And on top of that with with Lynn, and again, the reason I'm so passionate about this is we also have a way that's accessible. You know, when we, when we work with healthcare systems, we have a wonderful Mm -hmm. partnership with Boulder Community Health, for example, Um, and they have a fabulous mind-body medicine Mm -hmm. clinic um, with a five-month wait list. So yeah, so that's great. And it's great. Sometimes we'll send, you know, people that we need a little bit more depth with through that partnership back into the mind-body clinic. but when when you're coping with pain you need a way to get help now like when you have the energy to reach out and get help that's the day we want you to be starting um and so super passionate about making sure that we're scaling up this um knowledge of the new medicine and we do lots of outreach into the provider community like like with boulder to help that happen um but then that that it's accessible that this Mm -hmm. needs to be as accessible as getting a primary care appointment or getting a strep culture or getting uh, you know yeah. with a therapist for anxiety because it is treatable and we should just do it early, not eight years after not using your shoulder. Totally.
0: Yes, absolutely. And and the reality is is with Chronic pain. The longer we wait, often depending on what's going on, right, the more these patterns can be driven in. And I also just really like what you said about emphasizing the journey of it and that it doesn't turn around in a day. And yeah, and let me. I want to clarify this story I shared. She wouldn't have qualified for primary chronic pain. In in right. like right. Normally, I won't treat somebody who's talking about having pain for eight years. It was in just her like brief synopsis of how she was describing it. I knew it wasn't primary chronic pain because of how she was talking about it and yep. the, the symptoms that she was saying, and this is where it's like having an evaluation by somebody who understands the musculoskeletal system, understands chronic pain and understands these aspects is so important because
1: yeah. very, I see,
0: right. It's like, you see people being treated, you see primary chronic pain being treated with inappropriate treatments by people who are like oh well, let me just do a manipulation let me just do this right and then you leak get, that gets people chasing or, those quick fixes that are never going to come because they have primary chronic pain right. in her case she happened right. to be probably a very rare example of someone who actually needed a musculoskeletal treatment but had been written off as chronic pain but nobody had like when i talked to her nobody had evaluated her right like she had never had she's a massage therapist so she was having like friends just treat her here and there, right? Like no one did a right. comprehensive evaluation. And often a primary care, they're not doing a pri- like a comprehensive evaluation for this.
1: Like you yeah. said, they're not
0: screening for these things.
1: So there's there's two issues in primary care. And actually we just released a really, really nice um, brief training series for primary care. It's, it's on our oh, YouTube nice. channel. If you wanna look at Lynn Health, mm-hmm. um, look at Lynn Health on YouTube. Um, but it's a series of five, like three to five minute um, pieces really talking through what does one need to know as a primary care provider about primary pain um, so that we we can get primary care providers, you know, able to at least recognize this when it's coming yes. through their office um, the same way they recognize all, you know, primary care is the right place for starting the treatment journey for all chronic diseases, whether it's diabetes or hypertension or mm-hmm. um, <laughs> oh my gosh, excuse me.. <laughs> so you know yeah. all, all yeah. of those start at primary care and ultimately they're all managed in a more continuous way. know primary care should have a real role in that. So no yes. different with primary pain.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, primary care needs to be able to recognize it so they need to know what are the diagnostic criteria to the presentations, how to discuss this diagnosis in a way that's mm-hmm. compassionate, caring, and accurate, as opposed to, again, the way that's going to get somebody kicked in an unpleasant place. i um, uh, yes. <laughs> trying to be a little bit more, uh, <laughs> sorry, I'm
0: not, you're totally welcome to say whatever you want to say here.
1: <laughs> I'm a little cognizant of, um, 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 our funders love listening to these. <laughs> oh man, um, but, but, also knowing that primary care needs a treatment team behind them, you know, primary care shouldn't be the only sole support you get for treatment of anxiety or depression or diabetes or hypertension. Um, And so that's what we do in these partnerships is we become their adjuncts so that they have people who are expert at treating primary pain, you know, right there available as, as an, uh, as a partner. Mm
0: -hmm. Yes. And I want to ask you about, like the treatment plan, like what people should expect. But I just want to pop it about the primary care too, is I feel like a lot of people, sometimes when they learn about this, they get frustrated with their primary care for not treating it. And I always like to come in defense of these primary care physicians of, one, the amount of knowledge and expertise it takes and time to treat chronic pain is like a massive amount. So one, primary cares cannot beholding it but what I like I love what you said of like the it's important that they recognize it. their job is never to treat it they cannot be the ones to treat it they just need to be the ones to recognize it so and I always just, just like to give people that, yes just
1: yes. send people down the right pathway to not yes. send people down a pathway of, of imaging which is super interesting oh, studies by the way yeah. about um, yes. how, how imaging is often the um, like the beginning of a slippery slope into making pain become yep. chronic primary pain, as opposed to a part of the solution. Another whole topic for another day. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, but but you know, knowing to recognize what's what's the disorder in front of them, mm-hmm. or what's the disease in front of them, and then and having a really good um place to send people to get the right kind of care and who will send them back into the primary care office when that's needed because sometimes it is yeah absolutely and so tell me a little bit more about the treatment plan that
0: Lynn Health provides and also just in general what people should look for because I do find again sometimes people think like I've had people who are like well no I've received treatment but then I ask what they've received and it it's not treatment for chronic pain It yeah. feels like it so like Something how do people else. yeah how do yeah. people
1: know yeah, so so the first thing is you want to have an integrated team that has is able to do a diagnostic assessment mm-hmm. from a medical perspective for primary pain, um, that works really closely with um, a team that knows the cutting edge science and interventions, the evidence-based interventions for treating primary chronic pain. Um, for treating a neural circuit disorder for, again, using some of the passwords we used for treating centralized sens- based sensitization or pain amplification, mm-hmm. just to give all these words that like, were out right. there before <laughs> we had the diagnosis that just came out four months ago. So there are quite a few of them. Um, so so the, that I would say is like the mission critical bottom line. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and then the next piece that you want to ask about is Do the people who are going to be working with me have deep experience working with pain? And I say that because what we've learned and our data is entirely clear about um, is that it's not degree that is the the key factor here. Um, What really is the key factor is the amount of experience that people have um, in the the core elements of treatment we can i'll talk about those in just a second um, and and the the way they're able to deliver this so one of the nice things about lynn is that we're constantly monitoring for quality um, you know our platform collects data on how members are doing and we mm-hmm. look at that not just about the specific member, but about all of our coaches and we ensure that we only have super high quality professionals mm-hmm. um, who have a whole bunch of different backgrounds in terms of their you know academic training Um, So, and then the last piece is you want to make sure that the model you're getting includes the key active components that are proven to, and all of the key components that that are proven to work for treating primary pain. So the first is definitely this kind of cognitive piece about pain education and helping you understand what pain is. Um, The second piece is taking that from being kind of an abstract out there stuff you're learning and really helping you to see and build the evidence for like, oh, oh my gosh. That's how that that's that's happening in me. If mm-hmm. I really see it. That's um, a really important part of how we start to do the shift from just the cognitive to the kind of deeper. Um, the next is that your your whoever you're working with has to be um, skilled at delivering and helping you build up a practice, you know, practicing and doing and doing and doing of the ways that we sever the connection between um fear, pain, other associations uh, between fear, danger, and or other associations that are driving pain. Um and and um kind of making those extinct if we're gonna talk about it from a kind of conditioning perspective. Um and and then the last like must-have ele- oh two more must-have elements um an ability to talk about motion motion like movement and emotion <laughs> so motion and emotion mm-hmm. um Uh, as appropriate for you. And for some people, those are really, really important parts of their treatment plan. And for some people, they're actually less central. Um, And then the last is someone who can be there or some place that can be there with you um, through the whole process of what I call flipping the viewfinder. Um, uh, So it's taking from pain eating up, you know, 80, 90, 95, 98% of your focus and energy and all the great stuff in life being 2%. To flipping it around so that your days are filled inside and out with stuff that brings you joy and satisfaction and challenges mm-hmm. and growth and um, all of this stuff that we want our days filled with. Um, and pain is, you know, at most like two percent of your of your mental um, energy. Um, and and we know that that just is also you know a process and um, something that, that takes some time. So having all of those core elements. Um, and asking really directly, will you be able to help me with all of these?
0: Yes, I love that. And I think those elements are so, so important. So just love that you're providing that. Um, that's amazing. Yeah, I also love that like shift from pain filled life to a life that is focused on like joy and satisfaction. Oh,
1: and it's so fun. Those, yeah, those see just seeing that in real life. I, I just, uh, I mean, just right. reviewing um, a grandmother that we um, have in and I was getting an update on her who came in and couldn't spend time with her grandkids and had stopped doing all the mm-hmm. things she loved. And um, and she is back today. She's like, oh, my garden is growing. Like she's back planting mm-hmm. things in her garden and going out and walking and seeing, you know, just all of the loves being outdoors and wasn't doing that. And she's like, hey, my grandkids are over every other day. And that's Aww. what we want your life with again. yeah
0: I love that. I love that. And I'm curious. So one, one component that I end up working with a lot and that like, you know, you talked about the emotional piece. So a lot of the women I'm working at, that is a massive component of, of their uh, care that I provided. So I love that you have that included, cause it's so important that emotional regulation and just ability to understand our emotions. The other piece I find a lot is again with these perfectionists, as I lovingly because I'm one of these two, one, lo- lovingly called them out of perfectionist, high achieving women. They can take any of this stuff and flip it around to work against themselves
1: because they make it be like made it about something your, wrong. Yeah, your brain is going to want to exactly. do that exactly or not because its job yes. is to keep you alive. Yes, uh, I mean, I'm just talking evolutionarily, yes, so it. That's why that outside perspective again is so, so yes. helpful um, to be able to just be like, oh, wait, hang on. Here we go. Yeah. We look back the other way. Um, yeah. and, you know, both as a critique, but also as a hope, right? One of our coaches loves to say, like, you may not have enough hope right now that this is gonna work. Um, so my job is to bring all the hope and your job is to just keep showing up.
0: I love that. Um, yes. Yeah. Cause I find a lot yeah. of the women I work with, they actually don't have like to even move towards that, like joy and satisfaction. Often they don't understand, they want it, but it, it, it like inherently does not feel safe in their nervous system. It's like, it's almost like that is exactly what their brain is protecting them from is achieving Absolutely. joy and satisfaction. And I just think it's such a I, I always like to really, sp- I mean, I speak about this a ton on my podcast, but I speak to this too, to just for anybody listening of like, nothing is wrong with you. If there's that part of you, that's like, oh, that sounds good. But oh my God, that also sounds really scary. And you're like, oh gosh, what's wrong with me that I don't want to be happy. Right? Like it's so you're not alone and nothing is wrong with you because exactly what you're speaking to the brain is wired for survival, not for thriving.
1: <laughs> correct. Correct. And the brain is really good at learning how to thrive, but we yes. help get it there. Yes,
0: yes. And I love so, you know, that. Yeah. Makes me think about the other the other reason that
1: I think having you know a, a person and why we build our models at Lynn. You know, while people can come in and just do a month-month to kind of like regular therapy, we do have you know offer longer-term six-month, year plans. Mm-hmm. I mean, find those are really helpful for uh, not just because of this piece of being with you to get to thriving but also because the other thing is our brains like to go back to old habits. Um, And so there is no question that if you have had the disease of primary pain, you will get setbacks and flare ups along the road. It's just, it's part of the process, it's part of Mm -hmm. healing. Um, And so to know that you already have your team in place and we're there and when we just need to crank it up more active, there's not a whole shuffle. And, And for us to be with our members through a few of those cycles, you know, it's just the difference between them being long and, and literally painful and us being able to be like, oh, okay, there's a blip. And, and we see this like the, the longer people are with us, they may still have blips, but instead of it being like, uh, now mm-hmm. you're, if you were able to see me, you would see my hand going down, 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 mm-hmm. and staying down and then slowly coming back up, you know, to a flare up being like, oh, okay, fine, flare it up, fine, next day back on the path.
0: Yes, absolutely yes. Such a That's exactly what such a I different see experience. Too. And I love again that we yeah we're bringing in this length of time yeah like my program, my minimum time to work with somebody is six months and then this course that I um am like right in the process of putting out it is it is six months of like material they can work through, but then it's like lifetime access to weekly coaching because I want people to just, know that this isn't oh six weeks I could just work through this learn some stuff and be done with it like it takes time to adjust it to integrate it to update your nervous system and ultimately I'm assuming like the tools you learn in Lynn like the tools that I'm teaching are lifelong tools that are applicable right. end up being applicable in so many areas of life
1: right absolutely absolutely look I I, <laughs> I one of the things I love about having a, had a career in digital health and I, I um, you know, put Lynn very much in this is that it means I get to spend, you know, selfishly a whole bunch of my time thinking about the things that build, you know, make life stronger and, and better. And it's it's I I learn every day, and I yes. love it, and I get to have these in my life every day, mm. um, regardless of as you know my itchy my, my personal itchy pain yeah. story is is relieved, but uh, yes. I, it makes me a better mom and helps my kids bounce back more. Just, have, you know, each tool you get is is get and practice and think about and, you know, do that deeper, like not thinking yes. about doing. Um, it's, a, it's an incredible gift.
0: Oh my gosh. Yes, absolutely. And that's one of the biggest things I end up telling people about pain is, and, and people honestly, and I started saying this because it is what I kept hearing from my clients was like pain ended up being the greatest gift I could have ever (laughs) received because it showed Uh, them like it opened their lives back up once they were willing to turn towards it. And that is like my favorite thing. It just gives me chills all over. (laughs) I'll tell you my version of that. So
1: one Mm -hmm. of my sons, um, also is, um, prone to kind of irritable bowel stuff Mm -hmm. Um, and you know through this journey we've learned and he's learned that it's like his superpower as opposed to his disability because he now has the tools that he's, he's great he can eat everything it doesn't bother him day to day but when it gets going a little bit he's like oh that's great it's like my early detective signal something needs fixing in my life or I just had an interaction with somebody that was a little bit off and like how like nice your stomach just screams out like hey come fix me yes and I just look around and I fix it and I move on he's like but it's so cool because whereas my friends takes them forever to realize you know that something was wrong in the relationship or weird at work or um you know just whatever he's like believe me my stomach knows it the minute it's happening and yes. I can use my superpower and turn it around
0: Oh, I love that so, so much. And yes, like, absolutely. Like, I feel like pain holds us accountable to living a life that is aligned with ourselves in the best of ways, even though it's really painful and hard at times. But yes, correct, correct. It's so great. Well, this has been, I feel like I could talk to you and ask you about a million things, but I will <laughs> wrap this up and let everyone know where they can find
1: you. And it'll all be in the show notes as well. Yep, yep, absolutely. So pretty easily, lin.health, L-I-N.health. Um, and you know that's uh, the quickest way to get us. Our team is always there, so when you when you come in, you know you can register. But also, we're always reaching out by you know SMS and phone. We really like people to know that we're real people here. This is not an anonymous, uh, you know, huge anonymous chatbot. Uh, we're we're real people with a web platform that just helps us become more accessible um, to everybody. Um, and thank you so much for having me on the podcast. It's been a really fun conversation.
0: Yes. It's been such a pleasure. Thank you so much. And thank you everybody so much for listening. As always, you can find me on Instagram at Dr. Andrea Moore or on my website, www.drandreamore.com. Again, that will all be in the show notes. Thank you.